Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Um, when you hear the word church, what comes to your mind? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Now, for most people, first thing that comes to mind is, yeah, I, I'm, I go to church. Yeah, I, yes, it's a place. Yes, it's something we do on Sundays. Now, last week, I'm talking about, and, and let me just kind of intro this this way. We've been in a series now for a number of weeks talking about supernatural acceleration, how God can come to your life and, it, and, bring, and bring increase in your life. And sometimes it happens suddenly. Sometimes it seems as if nothing's happened, then my goodness, then it's just you're accelerated. We experience seasons of acceleration in our life, and we've talked about all kinds of different aspects of that and how God will bring that to pass in our life. And so then we kind of move to this area of how God wants to bring supernatural acceleration in His church today. And, and I don't think we got sidelined, but I, I think we moved just a little bit alongside of that because we need to focus on the church just a little bit longer. And last time uh, I shared about the church is all about him. It's all about his presence. Not, it's all about him. And, and today I'm talking about the church is all about family. And then uh, the Lord willing, next we're going to talk about the church is all about kingdom. Because I think there's three different aspects of, churches we need, of church we need to understand. But we talked about what church is not. It's not a building. It's not just something you do on Sunday mornings. It's not a club. It's, it's not a religious service. What, what, what is the church? And we went to the passage there in Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said, speaking to Peter, he says, you know, uh, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, he's not saying Peter is the rock upon which the church is built. He's saying that the confession Peter made that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that's what he builds the church on. Now, interestingly enough, Peter was a foundation of the beginnings of the church in Acts, book of Acts, because when, the Pente- when on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came with such power, and they went out in the streets speaking, miraculously speaking the word, declaring the word, that Peter preached a sermon, and out of that, thousands were saved, and there you had the birth of the church. So we, we see that aspect of truth that's there. But in that particular verse, it's the first time that the word church is used there in the New Testament. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, who's the builder of the church? Jesus is the builder of the church. We're not. He's the builder of the church. The word church there is the Greek word ecclesia, which means uh, assembly. It's a gathering. Uh, and, and that's what we are. We gather together. Uh, we're the church. Church is also referred to as the body of Christ. He's the head. Many members, parts of the body. He's referred to as the bride of Christ, as the flock, he's the great shepherd, we're the sheep. It's referred to as the army of God. But the, I think the primary way, the primary design that we see in the church, how God designed it is, is the church's family. God's all about family. The church is family. When God created, he created with family in mind. That's why it wasn't just about creating a place. It wasn't just about creating animals. It was about creating human beings, mankind created in his own image so that there could be a relationship with a living created being, a family. God wanted a family. It's amazing, yet true. 
And then we see throughout the, the Old Testament, God's desire to continue to work together or work with the family. When you look at the patriarchs, when you look at the covenants, the Old Testament covenants, He made these covenants with heads of families. These covenants were made with families. It was to pass down generation to generation. Jesus was born into a family. The Bible talks about the importance of family. God's all about families. And when we look at the church, we need to see the church is God's family. <clears throat> now, when we're comparing the church with family, there's two, two dangers here that we, we, need to, we need to stay away from these two things. First of all, there are dysfunctional families. God didn't call his church to be dysfunctional. It's not his will for the church to be a dysfunctional family. And the other thing we need that's dangerous is that sometimes when we say we're family church, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, our main, <clears throat> the, the main phrase or motto, if you will, that goes under <clears throat> the title Covenant Life Ministries is a family church with a world vision. We don't want to give the wrong impression there. There's two things that can happen when you call yourself a family church. You can give the impression that it's about our family. We don't want anyone else to join or belong. We've got our family here, you know, our four no more. We've got our group. We've got, you know, we're, we've got our family. We're satisfied. We're happy. We like one another. We do things the way we want to do them. We don't need anybody new to come in and mess up things. I've been in environments like that before over my, in my lifetime in ministry. where I've been pastor of a church that didn't want Many years ago in the beginning, I pastored a, a little church that did not want any more family members in it. They didn't want new, they didn't want anyone to come to church except the ones that have been coming. Hard to believe in it, but it's out there. The other danger is when you say your family church is that uh, oftentimes then you may be given the idea um, that uh, that. You're, the idea that you're exclusive. That's the idea that either you're dysfunctional, God, we're not supposed to be a dysfunctional, or you're exclusive. We're not going to include anyone else. And the, the other idea is, is that the church is that only about families. If you're single, if you don't have other family members that come, then this is not a place for you. We're all about families gathering. This is for everyone. And in regards of your family situation, I want you to know as a believer, as a follower of Christ, that this is your family right here. I said, this is your family right here. And so we are a, a family church with a world vision. So we're going to take a look at that. And I think we'll see some interesting things in it for the next few moments. But what I really see is that in the church, we're in great need of a real transformation, a shift, a cultural shift in how we really see and understand the church. Now, those of us who have been in church all of our lives, and particularly with me, been pastoring as long as I have, and in, and in planning this church and looking at, Lord, what kind of church do you want? You're the head of the church. You're the boss. Well, Lord, we want to be the church the way you designed the church. And, and, and so we, we get an understanding of that. But hear what I'm saying. I, I hope I can make this clear. We get an understanding of that, and we begin moving as best we can in how to become that kind of church. And then culture, then particularly the Western culture, how we do things in the United States, tradition of what the church is supposed to be begins to kind of tug at us until we find ourselves 
being formed into something less than how God wants it, than the church God wants to be. Now, I don't know where you're hearing that or not, where I'm making it clear or not, but there's a tendency. Um, I've heard it called uh, mission drift. That when you understand that we have a mission to see the family of God grow, to see people come to the kingdom, and, and the church is all about discipleship, growing in our faith, and then reaching out and seeing that reproduced and other people coming into the kingdom. That's what, it's, that's, all, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's about to His glory, but that's what it's all about, period. That's what it's all about. And yet there is that mission shift that takes place to where a church can lose sight of its mission. And then the church becomes all about attendance. I, I, I attend regularly. I'm a good supporter of the church. The shift goes to a point where when we arrive, we're about talking to those few people that we know being re- other than being aware that there's people sitting over there by themselves or that we don't know and, and we're not making any effort to communicate or contact them. What is happening that there's a mission shift to where we begin to look inward and I'm not fussing at you. I'm just saying that this is the tendency of the church for us to do this. That because we know people, we'll gravitate to them when we gather. And that's okay. It's, re, it's, it's, a, it's a reunion after a week. You, you know those people. You love getting together. You love talking. That's wonderful. But the mission of the church is to be mindful of those there that we can impact with the message of God's love. Share His love with others. Yeah, share your love with one another, but don't forget the mission is to go into all the world and make disciples. The mission shift has come more about keeping the doors of a church open or filling up the pews or chairs or about having your programs. That mission shift has gone that way over and over and over again in churches. Now, it's not the problem here that it is in many places, but there's still a tendency for us to get off center. And we get so caught up in doing things for the church or thinking the church needs to do this or that, that we lose sight of the mission uh, to know God and to make Him known. And, and uh, we want to see, let's, let's get back. Let's get back to where we need to be as believers as a church. The church is all about family. It's not about business. I'm going to talk about that for just a moment, but uh, recently I heard a message by uh, a young pastor that has an entire message on the churches, uh, all about family, not business. And um, now, now we're going to see that in just a moment, the first part of it, five minutes. And, um, and it's just kind of a little intro to a few things I want to get us into this morning. I don't know how far we'll get with it. But as you listen to this, you begin to, you begin to get the concept that God wants us to function more like a family than, than function like a business or organization. And we all say, oh yes, that's wonderful. Let's do that. But I'm, I'm not sure we totally understand what all that means. And, and look, there's a learning curve here. It's a process in learning this. We're going to get started uh, this morning. Uh, now, look, for some of us, I know it may be a little more difficult I'm, I'm, of the, I'm in the older bracket of people that's here. I'm, age-wise, I'm in the older bracket. Young at heart. We don't have an official seniors ministry going on, but Deb and I have been giving some thought as to future ministry, but 
I think we'll call ourselves prime timers. I kind of like that. <laughs> but anyway, the reason I brought that up, it's very much off subject. The reason I brought that up is some of us will have to get past the fact that this guy is preaching and he's in a t-shirt. That's all right. I lose 50 pounds. You'll to see me in a t-shirt. But, <laughs> but let me just say that it don't look good now when that's the case. And so uh, uh, get past the t-shirt and got to get past the fact that he's wearing these jeans, tennis shoes, and the jeans have holes there at the knees. I'm sorry. For some of you, I know it's going to be very offensive. And, and to me, I don't understand it. I would have been ashamed as a young boy going to school if I had to wear jeans that had holes in them. But now we pay for them. We pay for the holes. Now think about that just a minute. But anyway, you have to get past that. But listen, get a little bit of a glimpse of, of where we're going with this uh, as uh, we hear the, the pastor Banning share this. Church is a family, not a business. Now, I, again, I, I, we applaud that. We say amen to that. I'm just not fully sure we follow that line of thinking out all the way. Because that line of thinking then requires some stuff from my life. That, that I, I want it. I want family. I applaud it. That's what I desire my church to be. I'm not just sure we follow that line of thinking all the way out. I think the reality is, is this has always been God's plan. His plan to see the earth filled with his glory is, is about a family that he's redeeming unto himself. God did not send his son to die on a cross so that he could redeem employees unto himself. Right? We know this, right? He's not looking for employees. And, and, and again, I, and I believe in the analogy of the army for the body of Christ. Like I believe it is a biblical, like there's an, we, can, we can tie that in. But he didn't even send his son to die on a cross so that he could redeem soldiers unto himself. He's looking for sons and daughters to redeem. This is the whole thing. This is the promise in 1 Corinthians. The promise is this, is that, you'll, that, we can, that he'll be a father and we'll be sons and daughters. That for all those that accept the work of Jesus, we have the right to become children of God. This whole thing is about our lives being redeemed to him and then a family on the earth that represents who he is, that represents the father to a world that doesn't know him. This is, our, our whole lives are about that. As sons and daughters, not, it's not like, you know, this isn't like a multi-level marketing thing going on. And, and this isn't just like, I'm an employee and I know the employee handbook and I know how to, like, no, like, we've got a father that's redeemed. I'm a son. We're sons and daughters to him and now I want to represent him in the earth as a family. We tell this story often, but, um, you know, I, I had a friend who in his uh, 20s, big guy, probably 6'4", 2-something, his boy, his boy was two or three years old, but he was watching his son one day, and his, when his son stood up, his son grunted, like this little boy. And he's like, why is he grunting? So he watched him over the next couple of days, and he kept seeing every time he'd get up, his son would grunt. And he could not figure it out until one day my friend was sitting in the couch watching TV, and when he stood up, he did that kind of like old man grunt stretch thing, you know, that kind of like, ugh! And right when he did it, he realized, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. Like, like his son at two or three years old is just kind of watching his dad and going, I guess men grunt when they stand up. That's what we do as men. We grunt. And so like, you know, his son, every time he's dad, he'd be like, eh, because 
I was watching my dad, he grunts, I grunt. This is, this is the whole thing for the Christian life is just like, like he's my dad. Why are we kind? Because we're watching him and go, man, he's so kind. And so we're kind. Why do we forgive? Why are we generous? All these things are because we've watched our father and this is who he is. And now as sons and daughters, as family, we represent this. So, so the plan for the harvest and the plan for transformation, the plan for my life, it's all family. But it's very important that we shift our perspective on this because many of us get tripped up or having a hard time or confused in church simply because we see it and it's not intentional, but we, are, we see it a certain way. And so how I see something or how I perceive something determines for me how I'm going to interact and engage with it. So if I see it a certain way, that's how I interact and engage with it. And therefore, if I see something wrong improperly or incorrectly, then I'm going to engage with it improperly. And frustrations and confusion kind of come around this stuff. I'm a, uh, um, probably because I'm an American, but I'm a big customer service guy and uh, just like customer service. And um, I don't, is anybody here from England or Europe? Okay, so I, I don't want to offend the whole continent, but... Um, <laughs> And we have a real passion. We go to the UK every year, do a conference like Love Europe. But, but every time you go to England, and if you're British, and Angela, you will agree with me on this point, they have to have the worst customer service ever. It's bad. France is worse, but it's bad. And, and it's like you go to restaurants, and you kind of feel like an inconvenience for being there. <laughs> Am I inconveniencing you? I'm so sorry for being here. And so... It could just be an American thing, and it could just be that, like, this is my God-given American right, good customer service. And so, but when I go, I'm not the guy who throws a fit. Like, I don't make a scene, I don't throw a fit, I don't talk to managers, but when I go and there's not good customer service, I just remember it, and then don't come back. Now, you can... You can, the, the entire messages have some really good things in it. And you go on YouTube and you can actually listen to the entire message. I encourage you to do that. And just just uh, go to YouTube and Google in the church's family, not business. And I think there's some very good things in that. But he continues on with the analogy there of, of comparing the church with the business. Particularly he begins talking about the church with, with, and by the way, you went to church like a lot of people do today. You had preacher preaching on screen. That was good. When, but, you know, See, the, the advantage of that is you know when he's going to get through. So, um, but this live stuff, you know, you never know what that guy's going to do. Uh, when you listen to him, he's, he's looking at this, this idea of the restaurant. And, and then he goes, he says, you know, let me kind of put it in my own words. He says, you know, you go to a restaurant and you order what you want. And it doesn't come back exactly like when you have a particular, you respond to it in different ways people do. But he says, I warn you, don't go home and sit down at the table with your wife preparing the food and, and, and act the same way. <laughs> you know, and um, it's true. The church is family. It's not a business. Some people come and say, you know, you didn't offer me like I wanted. You don't have what I, what I want. So since you're supposed to be serving me and I don't like it, I'm either going to fuss about it or I'm going to leave because you didn't do what you're supposed to you see, this bleeds over. We, I don't even think most of us realize how much this mentality has, has bled over into the church. 
and is affected in so many ways. And we want, we don't, you know, we, if we've got any aspect of that going on in our lives, in me and you, and, and I want us to recognize it and do something about it. Very important. Today, one of the big problems is, is that so many churches have become what we call consumer-based churches. And that means that this church is supposed to offer a product or service. The church is here as an organization, a business, to offer a product or a service. Now, people come, oftentimes ask, does a church offer, or do you offer what I want? What can this church do for me? The church is seen as a place where people can come and be served or get a particular product. In the church we see marketing. And marketing is not a bad thing. It's good to get the word out. It's good to advertise. good to communicate. But so often today there is this high-strung marketing techniques that are used in the church to drive it. That whoever has the biggest performance and whoever has the most programs or whatever's the newest thing on the block, that, that's where people gravitate to. Today, the problem is that so much growth takes place main, in the church mainly through transplantation, through transplanting rather than new birth or conversions. Too often today, church is not built around conversions, but when you see a growth of a church, it's just a shuffling of sheep. They had to come from somewhere, so they went from one flock to another. When that happens, it usually doesn't build a kingdom at all. It's all about reaching new people and seeing them established. It's only been in recent years that we've seen the rise of, of mega churches. And I'm not an anti-mega church. I always I believed when I was in the 20s that I was going to pastor a church of four or five thousand before the end of my life. I believe that with all my heart. And um, uh, it, it never came into being for whatever reason. Or let me put it this way, it hasn't yet come into being. I wasn't opposed to that. I love the idea. I love the idea of having thousands of people that could hear as you shared, but as other people came and shared, and seeing that kind of impact on literally thousands of people. And look at all the staff and all the resources and look how many big things you could do. I mean, I just ate that up. I love it. So I'm not anti-megachurch at all. And there are some tremendous mega, thousands, you know, there are, I don't know how many hundreds of churches there are now that have 2,500 plus people in the United States. Now, this all came to being kind of in our generation primarily because of this. It's, it's a geographical thing. Megachurches came into being when we had interstates and, and transportation, easy travel. Up until then, it was all about small community churches. And when you multiplied a church, you had another pastor that was sent, and they started their own local church. Now, they may be associated and related and work together, but it wasn't about having a huge consolidation of thousands of people. It was about having individual community churches that, that would disciple and build people. They knew one another, and they increased that way. That's still God's model, by the way. But big's not bad. It's just not the primary way. And let me say this too, that the, the mega church, the churches of thousands of people who gather together, has its, has its downfalls and has its advantages. We don't know that it's fine. But in my heart, I know that it's not the answer for the coming years. 
In my heart, I know the answer for coming for the coming years of believers is for their for believers to build strong community with a small group of people that's not just having a small group meeting, but a real relationship. And then the church gets connected in a way that serves one another. The church is a family. But there are those who believe that, oh, for the church to grow, we've got to market it. We've got to market it. And we've marketed things before. We do. We market things on television. We don't sell stuff, but we advertise, talk about things. That's good. You've got to get the word out. But when there's such a drive to say, in order for us to build this business, then we're going to have to market it. And there's some smooth marketing going on out there in ministries today. That's all right as long as you don't lose sight of the fact that the church is about family. It's not about business. Pastors sometimes act like owners and members act like the customers. Or maybe the church is led by a board or committee. They're the stockbrokers and they have the hired staff there that are supposed to manage everything and produce a profit, a return. So many, so many different Conceptions, so many misconceptions about the church today. My, look at how churches, look at how churches changed in my lifetime. It's amazing. Methods change, that's okay. We don't sing the same songs we sang when I was in, when I was 10 years old or 20. Now, some of those songs are great. We, we, those powerful hymns could, could be a part of our worship, that's fine. But you understand the climate of that. They, they, it, it was mostly about coming together to a place that was in your community. It was a place where you knew pretty much everybody that went there. And in many cases, it was dead. There wasn't much life in the place. And we went through the, you, you went through the, the, the structure every Sunday. That there were so many, that there were so many uh, songs and so many prayers and the preacher got up a particular time and then you, you closed with an invitation or whatever it was. But you went through the same, the same process every week. We've gone from, we've gone from, we moved, well, there's some churches that have. But most churches have moved to a point to where it's not saying everyone take your hymnal, stand up, turn to number 237 and let's stand and sing the first, second, and last verses. But there, that still happens, but it's been a long time since I've been around anything like that. It's not that it doesn't work or it might, it may be all right for them. I'm just saying that it's not so much about the method, it's about the heart. Churches have different styles and that's okay. Every church doesn't have the same style. I know of people who've been here in worship. Some of them, some of them over the years may have been here for some time and you thought that, man, you know, they, they're part of this fellowship. They love it. They told you how much they love it. And then you may hear later that, uh, well, we're not coming there anymore because blank, 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 they'll give you the reason.